You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Hello, Makadorish Football Fan TV. This is the final word from Republic of Ireland. Neil Luxembourg won. Yeah, you heard that right. Luxembourg winning. Um, I think it was their first away win competitively anyway since 2008 um so there's a little stat for you but this is the final word it's not enjoyable we're still feeling the effects of it i feel like i'm hung over as i've said to the lads off air um it's just it's just been a really kind of empty feeling all day and um our world cup hopes are effectively over gary just to start off i mean the lineup was obviously announced earlier than kickoff um and then it, it came out that that was the lineup what were your thoughts when you heard initially Bazunu was starting, um, Jason Knight was coming in and, and James Collins was coming in as well? Yeah, well, I, I didn't like the fact that it leaked. It's it's never a good sign. Um, hopefully it was just an accident, that it wasn't anything more than that. Um, I, I actually liked the lineup. I mean, I, I suppose before last Wednesday, we uh, I, ta- I had talked quite a bit, and I know you, you Paul, and others as well, but we should go with 3-5-2. We should play three at the back just for the strengths of our players. So I actually liked it. Um, Jason Knight was in great club form, so I thought, great. Yeah, it's um, well worth giving a shout. And we have to remember as well that Stephen is watching these players in training. So I was a little bit surprised Jason Malumbi lost his place based on his first half showing in Belgrade. But again... He hadn't had a lot of game time and Stephen would have had a good look in training, looked at the stats, etc. So I can see uh, playing Jason Knight made perfect sense. And James Collins looked the the obvious replacement for Aaron Connolly if you're playing two up top. Uh, again, maybe a little bit out of the Luton team, but has got quite a few goals in the championship this season. Uh, and of course, the big call was Gavin Bizzunu in goal ahead of, que- uh, sorry, ahead of Mark Travers, which... Um, it surprised me a bit, but um, I, I think uh, he's someone I've always liked since I've seen him with Shamrock Rovers age 16. I think he is going to be a star in the future. And uh, so I was quite happy to see him in goal, but I was really sorry for Mark Travers because obviously his confidence is must be in bits. But um, when I saw the lineup, I was I was quite happy. I was quite excited by it. Well, we have David Long, our photographer as well. David, obviously we were chatting amongst ourselves in the WhatsApp group and whatever. What were your thoughts when you, when you I suppose, heard it first before it was announced and then your thoughts when it was actually announced? Um, yeah, the thoughts when when it was announced, I thought it was a bit odd. Um, so so beforehand, like, what, three hours, four hours nearly before kickoff and then when the team was released officially and we seen the players, I was kind of a bit shocked. Um, but... As uh, as Gary was saying, I was I was happy with the team. I was happy with. I wasn't. What I wasn't happy with last last Wednesday was was the work rate up front. So when I seen Collins come in, I was very happy because you can't question Collins' work rate. And um, he's also a target man. Um, the same again with with Noy. Like what a player. Like I, I just I I really like him. Um. Other than that, yeah, I was I was happy with the team, but just unfortunately the team didn't click on the night, and we know what the result was. Yeah, Jer, what was your uh, initial thoughts? 
Yeah, definitely um, Knight coming in and Collins probably didn't surprise me. And I was kind of glad to see that. I obviously knew there was going to be some change up front with Connolly's injury. And I think Collins met the most obvious one because Long, as we've seen, is a better player to bring on as an impact sub. As Gary touched on, when you're playing two up top and you know that Robinson's going to be there, himself and Long are very identical. You know, you have a very identical set, sorry. Self and Collins then something different. He's a target man. I thought overall like he'd done quite decent. I know he had a couple of chances. Uh Jason Knight, I was delighted to kind of see him come in. I wasn't surprised at Jason Numby midway. I know he had a good first half, but I think maybe the fatigue with the lack of regular club football might have caught up in him. Might have been a little bit surprised that Stephen didn't go with Jeff Hendrick, considering he was his first choice substitute on Wednesday night and got half an hour into him. But like, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Hendrick anyway, so I wasn't complaining. And as for the goalkeeping situation, as I touched on the watch long, initially I was kind of like, not too sure, you know, what's this going to do for Travis' confidence? You know, this should be a nice routine night for a goalkeeper, but that obviously proved to be the complete opposite. Uh, Bazuna was very busy, done very well, and justified his selection. Yeah, I think, look, I think the players that came in made sense. I was a little bit unhappy that the team came out because I feel as though maybe it wasn't Stephen Kenny who actually let that team come out. And I know he, he always tries in his press conferences not to give away his team uh, so the opposition wouldn't get an advantage. So it, uh, that's what I feel like. I wouldn't imagine that he would wanted that going out earlier. But look, it did go out. Um, I don't think it really made that much of a difference. Gavin Bazunu coming in there, I know you were doing the watch along and I had spoken about like he was he was literally the loudest player on the pitch and he was commanding, he was organising his defence and he just looked solid. He got a couple of early touches obviously in the game. I think uh, Kieran Clark had just headed one back just maybe to give him that early touch just to get a good kind of feel of the ball and then he started to get really into it and, and we were using him as an outlet if we needed to go back. We were using him to restart the attack. It wasn't a case of we were just getting it back to him and he was just lumping it. Like he was getting the ball back and then trying to start attacks and he was trying to build out from the back, which was which was good because I think of all the keepers we have, I think he's actually the best at it. I think we seen with Travers the other night, his his distribution wouldn't be as good. Um Kelleher maybe I haven't seen enough of him. Jay, you might be able to elaborate a bit more on his distribution. But I think, you know, Randolph's a good kicker, but he's not really known for his possession based kind of football and he kind of comes from an older school of football in terms of you're the goalkeeper you're there to make saves whereas these new age of goalkeepers which is good too because they're good with their feet and they can help start attacks um i think bazoon is probably the best but what you know is is kelleher on par with bazoon or because i think steven said that bazoon was better so what what's your take because you obviously watch liverpool and, and david probably, um... probably as well after yeah. So far from what I've seen from both, now it's my first time to see Bazuno, so I've seen more of Kelleher. But I'd say, if last night's a good indication of Gavin, I think they're on the par. I was very impressed with him last night. Like, you look at our best chance of the game, it came from him playing a lovely ball out on the wing. I think it was to Doherty on the right-hand side. And um, as we've seen with Kelleher a few times with Liverpool, he's looked quite comfortable with his feet as well. And that's obviously why Klopp has promoted him to number two, because he's very similar to Adrian and that new mode of school of goalkeeping as you touched on but yeah so far overall they seem quite even in that uh, comparison I was a little bit worried about uh, Gavin coming in with only being 19 and stuff like that I know he's been playing regular but big step up from League One but he um, no, obviously he gets rave reviews for his good uh, reactions and shot stopping last night but his action as well with his feet was also very impressive 
Yeah, just David, just if you wanted to elaborate anything on Kelleher, feel free. Yeah, with, with Kelleher, um, look, I think the two of them are on, on the same himshi when it comes to goalkeeping, distribution, but it's a healthy competition. Um, it's not a bad complaint to have two, but I was, I was very, I never seen Bazunu play, but last night I was, I was very impressed, as you said. For a young lad to come in at that age, usually young lads at that age come into a senior setup, kind of go into their shell and you said last night you could hear him from the stands giving out directions whatnot but um yeah it's I think it's it's a the two of them are on the same wavelength and it's it's not a bad thing to have either. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't really like I know look at the start of the game Luxembourg had a couple of shots and stuff like that but like they were well wide and stuff like that. Gary were you were you um impressed by him in say the first twenty minutes? Because oh, I think the, the like inside the first twenty minutes, he obviously helps set up that Collins chance. That that starts from him at the back, the ball yeah, to Doherty. And it was a yeah, I was impressed because it it was a, a long ball, but a, and sorry, well, the long ball is probably the wrong choice. But it was it was a difficult pass to Doherty. I mean, there were easier passes available to him, and he had the confidence early in his competitive debut. To actually try the and and the, the confidence in his ability, and he had the ability to pull it off, and uh, so yeah, his distribution was was excellent, and he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet, uh, like many modern goalkeepers. Now, I would put Quiving Keller in exactly the same category. There is no way he would be Jurgen Klopp's second choice when fit if he didn't have that kind of ability with with the ball at his feet. And uh, I think that's probably why he went ahead of Adrian. Now, I appreciate the other lads may watch Liverpool a lot more than I do. But um, I, I, one of the things that really impressed me on Quibbing Kelleher is that his ability, uh, his passing. So I think it's probably a toss-up between the two of them. And, uh, and it would be interesting, actually, if Stephen does. Because uh, Darren Randolph, look, is an excellent goalkeeper. He's been our first choice, number one for the last five years, without question. And he would have been probably first choice for these two games if he wasn't injured. But um, I think both Quivine and Gavin are more suited to the way that Stephen wants to play the game. So it will be interesting going forward. And uh, Gavin is the one in possession now. I think Quivine Keller would have started both games had he been fit. Because he's obviously, even though you've got about five games for Liverpool, he's obviously playing at a much higher level than Rochdale in League One. But Gavin has got a lot of first-team football. Uh, he's played week in, week out this season. And uh, and it's a tough gig. I mean, you're down in the relegation scrap in League One. And uh, he, he, by all accounts, he's performed really well, even if he hasn't had a great defence in front of him at the best of times. But, um, yeah, so I was very impressed with his distribution and, and his overall performance. And uh, one of the things I was really impressed, Paul, that I, that didn't come across to me watching on TV, and uh, I was very impressed that you you said so much, that he did so much of the talking, so much of the shouting, so much of the organisation. The other player, I thought, that was doing that was obviously Seamus Coleman, our captain. My concern would be, Paul, that you're saying the loudest player are probably the loudest two people, or possibly, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but are the only two people you could hear were our captain and our 19-year-old. And uh, I would have expected more. Maybe I'm wrong. Were our other senior players, were they just as vocal? Were they leading? Were they telling people what to do? Because I got the impression perhaps they weren't. 
I think they were. I just don't think they were as loud as those two. I think like Seamus just he calls for everything and he and he's always telling people. The 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 biggest thing for me was a lot of times when Clark was receiving the ball, they were screaming at him to step into the ball because he was always kind of behind it and he wouldn't step in and then trying to draw players towards the Irish play. And I could see Seamus Coleman and I think it might have been Darrow Shea getting very visibly frustrated with Clark saying, you know, step in. And let's draw them on to us, and then we can beat the press. So that seemed to be the game plan. But Stephen had said that you know the game plan was to get players wide and stuff like that. Everything we had, especially in the first half, all came down the left-hand side. And the one time that it did go to the right, Doherty started the attack, which obviously came over to the left-hand side with Robinson. And then that uh, creates the best probably chance for, for us, anyway, of the half. But everything was coming over, and I remember watching Doherty, and he was literally over the far side. And he was standing there waiting for the ball and the switch was on constantly and he was literally on his own and we had spoken the match preview how we needed to exploit that area of the pitch and we just didn't um you know Dorothy hardly touched the ball he went down looking like he had a hamstring injury in the first 10 minutes and then after that he was just I know he did that thing there but other than that very little of the ball I could see him saying to Seamus Coleman are you going to get the ball over to me or what's the story I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get it get it and run at them but he just wasn't getting it everything was coming down the left i thought ender stevens was quite good in the first half and he was trying to make things happen um it was weird though because doherty seemed to be playing higher like the higher of the wing backs but he just wasn't getting the ball i actually thought we were playing 4-3-3 from where i was sitting in the in the in the ground it looked and then i watched it back tonight and you could clearly see it but it looked like we were playing 4-3-3 with robinson coming over to that left hand side in front of stevens to kind of link up, and they were they were linking up decent enough. But then I thought it was like Collins centre forward, Darty kind of right side, and then you had Coleman uh, as the right back, Darrow Shea, Kieran Clark, and then Ender Stevens. But they were obviously playing a three five two, so it was interesting to see the way we kind of set up in that way in in the stadium and obviously on the TV. So just looking at it, like the thing about it is, you're looking at a team. A lot of the players aren't playing at club level, and it shows with Callum Robinson pulling up on 34 minutes or whatever it was when we had a corner and he's on his knees and he's looking back at Alan Brown trying to t- talk to him and he's blown out of his arse because he's not playing at club level and we can't keep relying on players that aren't playing on, on club level it's not their fault they're being brought into the team by Stephen Kenny again he's without players but we can't just keep going on like this and it's it's you know we could keep going oh well we should get this player in and that player in Collins hasn't been playing regularly at his club as well. He's been coming off the bench for the last few minutes of games. So we're relying on a lot of players to come in and fill the void there. For players, I mean, it just it boggles the mind, really. Malumbi, he started the other night. I, I, know, I, I really like Malumbi, but again, these are all players that aren't playing at club level. I know Hendrick is, so you're probably better off putting Hendrick in there. But then you're looking at balance and stuff like that. Yeah. That's why this this game is just it's just so frustrating because you look at our team and we're dependent on championship players and players that aren't playing at their club and even the players that are playing in the Premier League are not playing regularly for their club and they include Seamus Coleman in that because he's not playing every week at Everton. Um, some weeks Mason Holgate's coming in ahead of him because Ancelotti's managed this game. I'm not saying Seamus has been playing well. He's put his best season in a long time. But even around it, like other than Darrow Shea, he's only got back into his team at club level. Then you've got Kieran Clark, who got back in as well through an injury with uh, Lascelles, and he got back in. 
Um, and he's done well for Newcastle. But again, you look at the results, you wouldn't say Newcastle have performed. Uh, Ender Stevens has been a regular for Sheffield United, but they're bottom of the championship. So people kind of, I think, are getting a little bit disillusioned as well. And I know I've kind of got off point a little bit from the match here, but I think people are a little bit disillusioned in terms of the players that we have. And I think people still have the mentality in, t- in which that we still have the the Robbie Keynes, the Stephen Cars, the Richard Dunn's, all of these players, you know, Kevin Kilbane, Matt Holland, all these players who were a lot better than the crop we have right now. But just, just even, sorry, like just you're saying about your point there, like it goes back to the kind of mentality thing. And I agree with you, like Callum Robinson is playing more with the West Brom on the 23s than he is with their senior team, which isn't worrying. But the problem is like everyone kind of thinks like instantly, regardless whether he's playing regularly or not, oh, he's a Premier League player, he's at a Premier League club, he just has to start, regardless of whether his players in the championship starting or not. Like, that is a major, major problem. But even as you touched on there, like, um, you know, with James Collins, like, even the Shane Long situation, like, he left Southampton to go down to Bournemouth in the championship to get regular football, and he's a substitute for them at best. Like, and, like, he's coming on for us last night. Like, he touched on with Malumbi as well. Um Again, the Stevens has been so disappointing this season. Matt Doherty, another player who's been in and out of the Spurs team this season, you have to say his transfer hasn't worked out. It's just very, very frustrating. And as, okay, as we touched on there, like a lot of them players you named as well, and they were in their you know peaks of their careers. So they were playing for top teams in Premier League, like Robbie Keane was with Spurs regularly in European football, Liverpool for a while, Duffer with Chelsea in the uh, Champions League, even the tail end of his careers with Fulham, they got to the Europa League final. We don't have players anywhere near that, even... Like listening to other stuff as well. Go back to like everyone talking about Martin Neal, but even back then, like we still had players who were regularly playing for solid, consistent Premier League clubs, like Jonathan Walters, Stoke, Glenn Whedon, also Stoke. They were a solid mid-table team back then. It's just we've even dipped that much more in the last four or five years. David, you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say something there. Like, um, like obviously they're not playing regularly, and my point was going to be that they're professionals at the end of the day, Paul. You know, like, that's the way I'd be looking at it. They're not playing regularly, but they're still training every day. They're, like, they still should be able to come in and do a job regardless, playing or not playing. Like, that'd be my opinion. The professionals, at the end of the day, it's their job, regardless of playing or not playing. They should still know how to do a job at the end of the day. That's what they're paid for. That's... Well, I yeah, think... they, are, they are getting game time as well, though, Paul, even if it's Callum Robinson with the under-23s. or I mean, Matt Doherty, I think, has played enough football this season now I think he's just he's not in form Tottenham doesn't suit him but the re- when we went the system we played last night and you're t- telling me the positions he was in that wasn't obvious in camera that uh, he, this should have suited him down to the ground I mean I see speculation in the newspapers that he's probably heading back to Wolves in the summer which I think actually would be a fantastic move and you probably have me on camera last summer saying it's a fantastic move that he's going to Tottenham as well but it, it hasn't worked out and uh, he was very happy at Wolves. He was playing really well at Wolves. And that wing-back role, particularly when he doesn't have as much defensive responsibility, really suits him. And I thought it was he was going to flourish last night. And apart from that passage, you said, he switched to play. But um, he wasn't really involved. And, uh, and the other thing that concerned me was, I mean, we all knew that Luxembourg uh, had a problem at the left side of the defence. They had no left back. I mean, surely Stephen. I mean, if we knew it, Stephen knew it, and we we seem to avoid the left hand side of their defence. We all, we everything we did was down our left. So that's mm. those things are really frustrating. Um, 
But I, I kind of agree with David that these players, they even if they're not getting a lot of game time, they're still fit. They're still ready to be called on when needs be. And uh, I, I don't see a huge amount of options. I mean, I, I, I would probably have picked Callum Robinson last night. I would have still, I, I agree, go with James Collins. I think Shane Long is a better option off the bench. I don't see maybe who that was available to Stephen that he could have gone with instead. Am, am I missing someone obvious or? No, but I mean, like, like Shane Long is playing more than, than Robinson and Collins. He's playing more he's, regularly he's than them. Really. He's playing more regularly than they are. And he was scoring goals up until recently. And Robinson had a, had a game, a game with the under 23s a couple of weeks ago. Um, I know you're saying they're professionals, but come on. It's like saying to like uh, that a, a fighter has a couple of spars and should be able to go straight into a, a 12 rounds of boxing. It just doesn't happen like that. You need matches to get match sharpness. It's a total different ballgame. You're going from an under-23 game to top-level international football where you're playing against the best nations. I know, look, we could say whatever we want about Luxembourg being a top nation or whatever, but you get what I mean. He done well against Serbia the other night. But that's what I'm saying is to be playing again a couple of days later in so, in quick succession. And he said it after the game. He addressed it himself. He said, maybe are you going to realise during the game that some of the players aren't up to that or don't have the physical demands of that. Whereas Long came off the bench the other night and probably could have started this game alongside Collins if you could you could have went for the two or alongside... Uh, I don't know, Paul. I think Shane Long has become, in the last couple of years, at best an impact substitute. And I think, I, that's, I think he, he, that's a role he can do very well. And I think th that's where I would see his role for Ireland is come on the last 20, 30 minutes when defence, when the game gets a bit stretched, when defences get a bit tired and he can get in behind and, and nick a goal. So I, uh, well, I would have started. No, obviously, I mean, I'm guessing that Stephen watching Jason Malumbi in training decided that he wasn't up for a, a second game in three days, which does obviously add to your point. But um, and maybe maybe that 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 was the issue with Callum Robinson. You could well be right on that, but I I don't see I don't see an obvious. Okay, you can say Shane Long, but I I don't see Shane Long as being a starter anymore. And I don't see anyone obvious. I mean, or maybe we go down to League One. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, do we look at T Tony Scully at Lincoln or who? Is, I don't know who are we am um, looking at then. You know, yeah, Troy there as well. Troy, yeah, yeah. yeah like and another like Daryl Horgan. Like I highly rate Daryl Horgan. Like he he being another show. Like he could have been a great replacement for Callum Robinson on the left. I wouldn't say on the left, but out in that direction. Yeah. In a 4 3 3, like, and I think that Horgan would have. Is he getting a lot of game time with Wickham? I don't think He's in and out of the team again. Like, yeah. They're, they're yeah. rock bottom of the championship. They're yeah. staring relegation back to League One in the face. But I would agree with David. Now, I still don't think, like, this whole conversation started with Callum Robinson just going back to him. I still don't think he was a problem. I still think, like, he was. No. The fact that he played well no. enough on Wednesday night, he was always kind of going to start, and with Aaron's injury. I yeah. I get yeah. like what you're saying, Paul. Like you could bring Shane Long in because they're similar type players. But again, without trying to please everyone, I agree with Gary too. I like Long's days. Gary's saying his days with Long down, Long finished being a starter. Sure, Long hasn't been a starter for Ireland for years, anyway. So we're not going to start bringing him back into that role now. But like with Darren Horgan, in fairness to him, anytime he's come in for Ireland, he has done quite well. And he has done quite live. Like he came on, I think the tail end of the Wales match in the Aviv and the Nations League done well. 
started off bright against England when we were doing reasonable in the game before we went a goal down. So I'd agree with you. I, I would have probably actually brought him on into Troy Parrott last night. Nothing against Troy, but I just kind of felt like we're relying on a kid to try and save us, you know. Yeah, I get it. Look, and at the same time, look, it comes back to the same question: is our fans realistic that we we don't have the level of quality that we used to? I'm not going to say we don't have the players. The lazy argument, but at this moment in time, if you're looking at the squad we have, it's it's one of the weakest squads we've had in a long time. And I'm not saying that the young lads coming through are weak or anything like that. I just think they're being a little bit thrown in at the deep end. Um, which I think is going to benefit them in the longer term, but right now it's just uh, it's 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 just not working for them, is it? Like I mean, I feel as though if we were still playing right now, we probably wouldn't have scored till right now. So that's just the type of game it was. Uh, just in the first half, I mean, just the other chances we have, you know, uh, Cullen tries to ping a nice ball into Alan Brown, and he miscontrols it. He hits it back then mm. to uh, James Collins, hits the side net, and, and then they have. Uh, uh, Coleman goes on a bit of a surge and run, almost like an attacking midfielder at their box. I thought he should have probably had a strike. Looked like he got fouled. They go down the other end, and then Luxembourg uh, with Rodriguez, he pulls off a really good strike, and Pazunu makes a really, really good save and kept us in the game and showed great reactions to then, obviously, to get the ball after kind of he fumbled it away from the bar because it was probably going in, but he was kind of caught under the bar. A little bit, but he's done really, really well, and then got down, and then he—you seen him straight away. He got on through the ball and tried to get us back up the pitch again. I think he had a really good first half. I think going in, obviously at half time, nil nil. I mean, I, I command the watch along and stuff like that. I just—I'd I, said it. I mean, I thought we were playing well in the first half. It looked totally different on the telly. You were saying, you know, it, it hasn't been great, and you were criticising the team, and I appreciate and uh, and I understand why. When I watch it back, it's mad how different it it, it's, mm. it is in real time to obviously on the television as well. Um, but yeah, at halftime, Neil, Neil, I felt as though we were going to go into the second half and we were going to get a goal. I felt as though more usage of the right-hand side, but that wasn't the case. Halftime came, Robbie Brady came on, Alan Brown went right wing back, Robbie Brady went into the number 10 position. I know Brown's been playing right wing back for, uh, for Preston, but he, he just... He just wasn't good on that right wing back uh, position. But when you seen Robbie Brady coming off for Darty, what were you thinking, Gary? I well, I thought Robbie Brady. We probably needed him because the quality of the set pieces in the first half wasn't good enough. I think we were actually saying that in the watch along as well, because I mean he is a specialist on that. And uh, but then I I think it improved, but I, I it wasn't up to the standard you'd normally get from Robbie. And uh, he had flashes in, in place. So I think it was the right choice to bring him on. But um, he probably didn't do enough, make enough of a difference for me. But um, he probably a fully fit Robbie Brady because I'm not, I'm not convinced that he is fully fit at the moment. There seems to be issues in, in Burnley as well. So maybe that's a, a factor in this. But uh, the way we play and the, the chances we create, we probably do need... Um, decent quality and set pieces because uh, certainly under Mick it was a key uh, a key outlet for goals and uh, it, it probably hasn't been apart from the the Shane Duffy goal and Sofia but I mean obviously we haven't scored too many goals but it's um, it's probably something we do need to work on and I thought Anthony Barry was actually going to come in and make a difference on that and 
So I was probably happy Robbie Brady came on, but I didn't see the the quality we'd normally get from him, particularly in the set pieces. David, yeah, no, and, uh, I, I was I was happy that Brady came on as well. The same outlook of set pieces, and I I said to myself and. I said, we need long on here as well with Collins. We need balls into the boxes because it was causing them problems. Collins was up there in his own. I think he went up for a header. The referee gave a free out anyway, but he pushed the keeper into the net. Yeah, that was just before half time. Yeah, yeah like it was stuff like that upsets teams, upsets the keeper. When I seen Brady come on, I was like, right, he's bringing him on to get a few more balls into the box for Collins, set pieces. Um, but yeah, it didn't live up to expectation. His set pieces weren't the best when he came on. That's probably down to no game time. Uh, but when Long came on, we started to get a bit more balls into the box. Like I said, the Luxembourg defence last night were rubbing their hands together, saying, a handy night. Nothing much to deal with. Jer, have you had that add just before we go on to the second half? Yeah, not surprised that Brady came on. Not surprised, I should say, that Doherty came off, as you said. Like, And when I watched it back today with the commentary from George Hamilton and Stephen Kelly, I think he he mouths the words and he went down the 10-minute hamstring. And you could definitely notice there was something at him in the 30-minute mark because him and Adam Brown tried to give, give him a go on the right-hand side. Now, Brown overcooked the pass, but Doherty didn't even make an attempt to get there. So you could just tell he wasn't quite himself. And as you said, like even just to go back to that point a small bit as well, about not targeting their left-hand side, to make it even worse as well, their left wing-back, uh, Olivier Tin, or Till, he picked up a yellow card in the 15-minute. Like So he was on borderline case already and if it's a case of Doherty wasn't kind of fully fit and he wants to wait to half time so he can still get the three substitution intervals in the second half then just swap wings with Robinson or something but I thought Brady actually did okay when he came on I know his first free kick a few minutes in was absolutely dreadful it was closer to a throw in than to the six yard box or anything else like that but he put a very good free kick in the 55th minute that Brown should have done better with a free header and he had a couple of a good crosses in from open play obviously with We'll get on to later with, with Colin's chance and things like that. So I thought it was a mixed bag, but I thought I did definitely think his delivery into the box from open play was much better than his set pieces. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the, the player actually who was playing the left back position was actually Jans. The till the two till brothers were, were more attacking in the oh, sense. Yeah. Um, and Jans got a yellow in the second half, and that's when they should have been. But when Brown was up against them, Brown actually got him booked. And that's when we should have been playing directly on that side and just, you know, targeting him and trying to get him sent off because we would have had a lot of joy down that side, you know. But we, unfortunately, for some reason, our in-game management is not is not very good. No. And I was just going to say that game management is crucial. Like, know these small little things, knowing what players booked, knowing obviously the weak link. These in-game small things should be taken on board by the players, like... He was booked second half. Go at him, go at him, go at him. He's going to get frustrated if you keep going at him. He's going to do something stupid. Like it's that's what really annoyed me was the in-game management as well. Like the small little things, just take it upon yourself. This is the IFF TV podcast. We just want to take a quick break to speak about our sponsors for this video and podcast team feedback. As you can see in the image there, some of the clubs that Team Fipe has acquired, Shamrock Rovers being the main one so far. Team Fipe is an easy to use online payment platform that covers management and administration, finance, club development, communication, governance and COVID track and trace. 
Club administrators save hours of time with Team FeePay. Save time on administration and finance. You can quickly confirm, decline and record attendance at club sessions and events. With a new database created, parents and players register with the system which in turn creates and builds a player database for the club. Team groups can be easily set up for easy access to data. Real-time transaction updates. Team FeePay keeps club administrators or team managers updated on processed payments but also flags up incomplete transactions and automatically emails the payee to give notice of a future attempt. Team FeePay already works with over 1,000 leagues, clubs and academies and are growing all the time. Team FeePay is proud to be helping clubs across multiple sports. Team FeePay is free to use. It's free to install by all of their members. There are no hidden fees. There is no sign-up fee, no annual fee and no monthly membership fee. The processing fee. Team FeePay charge a very modest fee for any financial transaction that they process, similar to the bank or other credit card processor fees. Book your Zoom demo today at teamfeepay.com or call on plus three five three one five two six seven four nine nine. This is the IFF TV podcast. When you were when, when you actually he should have been nearly sent off because he actually made a foul on Jason Knight not long after, and I think they're two that that. Oh, his laces got caught in the studs. Yeah, but he, he did it before that. Yeah. But I, I, I think at that point he could, he was lucky to stay on, um, considering it would have probably been a yellow card offence had their uh, boots maybe not of, of clashed together. But I suppose just kind of going into the second half, I mean, the only thing I have really of no here is obviously, uh, Till, he has a free kick. I'm not sure which one of the brothers it was, but he has a free kick he tries to shoot from and, and Bazunu had it well covered. Um, then what was the other thing? Um, then we went down the other end uh, on the 54th minute and James Collins does well to uh, win a free kick that Robbie Brady takes and Alan Brown, for me, he has to be hitting the target with that yeah, header. Yeah. He Gary. has, but he was still a long way out as well, Paul. So yeah, he, he should have hit the target. But even if he hit the target, he's, in the he's box. still a fancy yeah. the keeper to to save it, I think. He's in the box. Uh, yeah, but he was still, was he about 12? How far was he? Could he was not put him back at cross? seven yards out. Free header. Was he in the six-yard box? I thought he was. Oh, he should have hit the target. I'm not saying he shouldn't have hit the target, but I think it didn't. He said he look was far out. He wasn't far out. He was in the box. Yeah, but I thought he was out near the edge of the box for a header. I mean, if you're heading the ball, I, I maybe I need to look back at it again. But um, I, I think he definitely should have hit the target. But I, I'm not convinced it would have gone in, even if he hit the target. I still, he was far enough out. I thought. I think you're confusing him with the Shane Long. I, I think you're confusing that with the Shane Long header. The one where yeah, was a weak header. Yeah, the, no, it's the, the header that, that went wide. No, it was the Alan Brown one that went wide. Went wide on the yeah. left hand post. I must watch it back again then because I thought he was. I thought he was he was a bit far out for the header that you wouldn't normally beat a goalkeeper, even the Luxembourg international goalkeeper. Um, but anyway, he definitely should have hit the target. I definitely agree with that. But um, it's I, I suppose what's frustrating for me, Paul, is we're talking about and, and I mean I heard people talk about that chance, but we were at home to Luxembourg. I mean, we should have been bombarding them. We should have been going at them. We should have been creating half a dozen chances like that. If we were, one of them would definitely have gone in. But we What are we, 45 places ahead of them, is it? Oh, I mean, they're just just above 100 in the world, you know. So, I mean... <laughs> 
But I don't think FIFA rankings really mean anything. I mean, they were they were actually good in, in spells. I mean, we can sit here and, and we can say that Ireland were crap all we want, yeah. but they, they have picked up decent results and they have frustrated a lot of other teams who are a lot better at scoring goals yeah. than we are. And I think they'll still pick up points in and around the group anyway. I don't think they're as bad as, you know, the FIFA rankings yeah. make them out to be. In saying that, do I still think we should have bet them? Yes, of course I do. But um, we, we just lack goals. Anyway, around the 60-minute mark, McLean comes on and Kieran Clark goes off and Enda Stevens goes as a left centre back. Again, I've been very, very, you know, willing with, with Stephen Kenny, but some of the decisions last night were just a bit weird, a bit strange to me. And Enda Stevens going as a left centre back when you have someone like, I don't know, Shane Duffy there and you could have maybe put Darrow Shea as the left centre back would have probably made a bit more sense. McLean again rushed back after being injured. Stoke didn't think he was going to be match fit. He didn't look, there was one ball that was, uh, he, he played a ball with uh, Robbie Brady and he basically ran the length of the pitch with it um, and Brady gave it back to him and you could see if McLean was fit he would have got on the end of it but he wasn't and the defender got on it, spun him around and they went back mm. on the counter and um, that was later in the game anyway but I'm just saying he just didn't look fit again, he's coming in to play a left wing back where you have to literally be up and down, up and down and up and it's the toughest position on the pitch if well, anyone's ever it, played it. Sorry. Isn't, isn't, uh... Ender Stevens playing left centre back with Sheffield United recently because your man um, Fleck or Flack, is that his name off Sheffield United? He's been playing left wing back for them. So I say Stephen Keynes was looking at that saying, well, Stevens has been playing there the last couple of weeks. Mm, but but I, I, think I, I do agree. I would have brought on a natural, a natural centre half like the Duffy and I'm, I probably would have left Ender where he was and pushed McLean higher. I wonder, yeah. Paul, I, I hadn't noticed this last night, but I, I was actually, something you said earlier in this, that Kieran Clark was coming under pressure from his teammates and he wasn't able to, to break the press. He wasn't able to to do the passing and maybe they, what you see the younger players do, the likes of Darrow O'Shea. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I accept that as being true because I, I don't think he's that type of player at Newcastle. So I wonder, was that the thinking that, and the maybe that's a good point. More use, yeah. used to actually breaking presses, and maybe it was a case of, okay, we're twenty, twenty-five, half an hour to go, whatever it is, and uh, we just get centre backs, even if they're not as comfortable as they normally would. That, but they are, would be very good on the ball, and they'd be well able to break the press. Coleman done it, didn't he? He done it two or three times. He he stepped in with the ball yeah. and done a one-two, and next thing you know, he's on the eighteen-yard line of Luxembourg. Like he he took the game with a scruff in the neck and. He was stepping in with the ball and and it was great to see. And Enda done it once. I think it was from the Collins chance where the keeper saved it. I think Enda stepped into the midfield. Enda Stevens stepped yeah. in. And he laid it out to Robinson. Like, if we could have mixed the match, like you were saying earlier, Paul, like everything came down their left side at the game. Yeah, it did, but there was no end product. If, if Robinson and Stevens were there, it was a one-two between them. The ball was going back and it was being recycled out the far side. But that one time, Ender stepped inside. The defender didn't know what to do. He got on it and he laid it out to Robinson and Robinson then got the cross in. Like, I think we should have mixed and matched. Not everything so repetitive all the time. Like Yeah, we were very predictable, I felt. Like yeah. The build-up play, but there was no urgency. And says, you know, look, we have to win this game. There was literally no urgency, even when they scored. But anyway, yeah. Uh, we're coming to when they scored. I mean, Till had a little bit of a run. Vincent Till, he had a run um, which was really well intercepted and blocked by Dara O'Shea. And then he gets a little bit of a rebound. But I think he fouled Dara O'Shea. And anyway, Gabazuni pulls off a really good save. 
and a double save and it goes out for a corner then but then uh, in the 60 sixty-sixth minute mark, sorry, um Jason Knight, I think it's he enters yeah, he presses down their midfield, intercepts the ball and gives it out to Robinson. And he's in a great position. And if he puts his head puts up and looks the across the box, yeah. Robbie Brady's there and it would at least get a shot on target. He gets the ball, he tries to take on the defender. There's no literally no angle for him to get that shot off there. All angles are blocked for him, and he blazes it over. And even Knight was kind of coming into the box as well, if he had a look to pull it back to him as well. And the two of them, Robbie Brady more so, was absolutely furious with uh, Callum Robinson there. It's decision-making again, isn't it? Like... But maybe maybe if a, a sharp match fit Callum Robinson, he pulls that back, you know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, he just kind of seemed to snatch out as well, because he had a chance as well. It was more half a chance, like the first minute, the second half as well. He was further out, and he blasted that well wide. I do touch on as well. Jason Knight was kind of the first player I was drawn towards when I looked the replay back last night. But I think like Knight was kind of at the far post, and there was a couple of Luxembourg players in his way. Like so, it would have been a bit of an awkward ball to play to him. But Brady kind of was the obvious one. But I think he just still would have had to be a good bit back, like to play to Brady that a Luxembourg player might have got there in time. But I still think like a Matt Sharp. Um, uh, Callum Robinson said probably should even begin that and target himself. Like, Fair there was point. a better, there was a better chance though, Jerry, if if he had a pulled the back say to the back yeah. post or, or or a scramble could have happened. We could have got that pot look where it fell to somebody yeah. right place, right time. Like his decision making. I go back to Paul saying, yeah, if he was playing every week and he was playing at match fitness, like he probably would have pulled the back. Who yeah, knows? Right. It could be you know desperation a, from from being yeah. unfit as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but just, uh, just go on. Sorry, I was just gonna say just desperation of the situation, the scoreline, because I what that's the sixty six minutes, so we're we're not far off squeaky bum time, and this is a stage of the game where pretty much everyone thought we'd be getting ready to celebrate three points. Like so, I think it was just a pure panic shot like that. I think if we were one nil up, probably does do the right thing. Yeah. Um, he, he probably would have, but uh, that, that was when we started kind of getting a little bit in control. I thought at that point we were starting, we were thinking, okay, we're starting to get a little bit of momentum. Then there was a good bit of play out on the right hand side. The ball whipped in by uh, Robbie Brady, right footed, great ball in, and Collins hits the side net with like an overhead kick. So we, again, we were starting to see signs. Robinson just went off for Shane Long at this point. Then for me, I think Long, uh, Collins probably should have came off at this point. And this is something like I, I've noticed with Stephen Kenny is important substitutions he needs them very very late in the game and he should probably be bringing them on early in my opinion i looked at collins around this time not long after this chance and i thought this fella can't run anymore like he ran himself into the ground and i thought he put in a good performance um but naturally you're gonna get tired from the press we'll get tired like that high press that we've been playing especially in serbia and we played it very well but if you're the striker it's a lot of running it's a lot of getting across, back, across, back. It, it does, no, no matter what level you're playing at, it is tiring. Yeah, he chased down all causes last yeah. night. Like, he literally, I watched him, like, he didn't stop. And, and, he, and look, he, he gave everything. The only thing he didn't he didn't do is score, unfortunately. And I did think, you know, he is a good option for us. But I would love for him to be playing every week with Luton and banging them in. Because if you're looking at it overall, he's probably our most informed striker. But in saying that, He's getting minutes off the bench. Sorry, Gary, were you going to say something there? 
Yeah, it's um. So I just lost my train of thought there on him as well. But um, yeah, I suppose my my main thought was he's not. I don't think, uh, and I haven't seen Luton too much, so correct me if I'm wrong in this. But I don't think he'd be pressing as much in a Luton shirt. Now I know that they're probably on the back foot quite a bit in the Championship, but I think he he probably is being seen more as the the, the striker role uh, with Luton. So maybe he wasn't. Uh, and, and as you said, he was not getting the game time. So they come off the bench in, in, in Belgrade and then ha- have to start in um, last night. May just have taken its toll. And that's why he was probably blowing up a bit near the end, you know. Yeah, well, I think, you know. We could be here on me. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, it's just it's it's annoying. We 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 could be here playing till t- t- right now, and we probably still wouldn't have scored. That's just we we just cannot put the ball in the net. It's like it's like watching that nerdy kid trying to get with a girl and trying to ask her out, and it's just never ever happening. And you'd be still waiting till next week. But, but Paul, it, so, yeah. we we didn't we didn't look like scoring. It's not even. It's not as simple as even getting okay. So obviously, a, a young Robbie Keane would be ideal, but we we weren't even creating chances. We weren't passing at a high tempo. We weren't really having a go at them. I mean, mm, we weren't. Yeah. We were. We were okay. If you look at the stats, I think we had something like fifty-eight possession, fifty-eight percent possession. But a lot of that was kind of soft passes, passing it around midfield or something like that. Safe pass, exactly the safe yeah. pass. And we didn't. The one chance we talked about in the first half, the the, the great it was a great ball from Doherty switched it to the to Stevens on the left, and then he set up uh, Aaron Ro- uh, Callum Robinson, and uh, so th- th- that was one one case where we did kind of have look, quick passes and risky passes. And I mean, Gavin Bazunu actually had a risky enough pass, I think, in the same move, and uh, but we didn't really. Kind of go at them, try try these quick passes. Even when maybe players were too afraid to make a mistake or something like that. I don't know, but um, I think the simple and aimless ball happened. I, I think just too much, or well, sorry, not aimless, but just the short little pass, and then you give it back to someone else. And Luxembourg were probably okay. They were pressing, obviously, but they um, they weren't being troubled at all. I mean, their keeper wasn't bothered really all night, and. I think it, the, the the worry I had was it was very obvious to me, and we were saying it in the watch along in the second half that we just didn't look like scoring. We weren't um, creating anything. It's not as if we were creating loads of chances and our strikers just are missing them, which is probably even more of a worry that uh, not only we're not um, taking chances, we're not even creating the chances. Yeah, I think the only real chance we had after that before they scored was Shane Long's header that we'd, we'd spoken about. And look, I don't think he was ever really going to score from there. It was a good ball to pick him out. But again, if, if if that's Shane Long two or three years ago, maybe he takes that down on his chest and tries to have a go or something like that. Um, are you trying to say something there, Jerry, with the pen up? Yeah, I was just, uh, just wanted to get in there, like come back to like Gary and Dave's point about the kind of just a safe pass and stuff like that. I was just when I was watching the game back even today, I was just making notes. Like, and I even noticed this in the second half, even before we had them couple of chances. Because like, we, we touched on there, like we had three different half chances in the space of nine minutes. I agree with you, Long's header. It was, it was very good cross again from Brady this time on the left. It was such a tame header. But I did notice, like, when we were coming out of midfield and playing out defence, there was good passages of play. 
But then once we got out of midfield and started spreading to the wing, it just the attack just went down. It's just yeah. the player who was getting on the wing was standing up receiving the ball instead of actually running on and just it just the, all the move lost momentum and life and then it was just pedestrian kind of like as whereas that person who was getting the ball on the wing should be bursting the gut to kind of go forward and running on thing to kind of keep things kind of going and keep momentum going in the move. Go on, Dave. There was, there was, I agree, I agree with you, Jared. There was no win behind runs. Like, yeah. we, we go back to where, Paul, you said, like, you could hear about uh, Coleman and, and O'Shea telling Clark to step in to break the lines. Because what you could do is, if Clark steps in with the ball, obviously the Luxembourg players are going to get attracted to it. And then there's the ball in behind. And that's probably was the game plan. I don't know. I can't really tell you what the game plan was last night because I couldn't put my finger on it. Like, we hadn't got a, a rhythm of play. We hadn't got a, a set tempo or what way we were going to play. But if it's going back from Clark stepping in with the ball and attracting, attracting the Luxembourg players, they're obviously going to step up and then that's the chance then to get the likes of Robinson and Doherty in behind. But yet, when the ball went out wide, as Jerry said again, it was put the foot on it, look up, look around, foot on it again, too many touches, and then it was just coming back out to where the ball came from. There was no urgency. There was no... Once it came out midfield, that was it. It was like, what do we do now? Yeah, I, I think it was strange that he brought on McLean. I think you, you have someone there who you said, you know, more often than not, I think Jerry said uh, when he plays for Ireland, he does quite well. And Daryl Horgan, who probably would have been a better option either to have at right wing back or left wing back, you could could have still kept the end of there anyway, is more what I mean. But you're looking at it there and, you know, Alan Brown offered absolutely nothing in the second half. Absolutely nothing. And I, look, I, I and and his, his distribution throughout the whole game, his final ball was awful. I don't know. Same he looks, Serbia, he, Paul. It was the same yeah, Serbia. yeah. I mean, Fire, he, besides his goal, he was good. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that, and I think just just when you're looking for him to to give us that little bit of an edge, this is his opportunity to make a claim for that spot for the next two or three years at, at the very least. You know what I mean? Whereas I think someone like Knight would probably be better suited playing in that position than him, but that's probably going to take time. He seems to really like Alan Brown. I know, look, he he is dangerous in terms of being in the opposition's box, but his foil ball from his set pieces and then his his delivery, and then when he was playing at right wing back, I just think. Didn't think for a wing back who's supposed to be getting up and, and helping things happen. I just didn't think he, he made anything happen. They obviously get their goal in the 84th minute and we are all absolutely, I mean, so shocked when this goes in. I mean, it's a long ball. Seamus Coleman wins the first ball and then Josh Cullen tries to win the second ball. They get a little bit of luck. They do get a little bit of luck. I, I don't think Josh Cullen can be blamed for this goal. I mean, you can see he tries to get the foot on it and it just escapes him a little bit. And it's a great strike. You have to give credit to the strike. It was buried. It was in in a flash. Uh, I'd say it was even in before Bazunu, you know, dived. It was a great finish. And it, 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 did, it did sit up very nicely for him. I mean, I think... That's what I mean. If you actually watched the ball, it just, it just sat up nicely. But as you said, it was a superb strike. And it was right... It was just inside the post. I mean, it was a perfect positioning. Because Gavin Bizzuno did get very close to it. I mean, and he's absolutely none of the blame for this because he was absolutely at full length. But it was a superb strike and in the perfect position just inside the left-hand post or Gavin Bizzuno's right-hand post. And uh, look, what can you say? The, the, the worrying thing, though, was, I mean, even, even at that point, you can't really say they didn't deserve it. Now, I thought the game was 
nil-nil written all over it. But the sad thing for me is, I think, if anyone deserved to win, it was probably Luxembourg, which is, I don't know, really frustrating or really sad no. thing to say. I, I don't disagree. agree with that. I uh, disagree, Gary. <laughs> you can tell him why, okay. Dave. I'll go no, after I ju- no, I just disagree. They, did, they didn't create enough chances. Right? They had that chance where they tried to dip, dip the key very set. Yeah, Bazuno tried to dip Bazuno. Yeah, he done well. And then the other one where he pulled off another one save with his leg. Them two chances all they had. Like They shouldn't even have them chances. I, I think yeah, we, but they, even, they were even, comfortable even, though. Yeah, they came for a they came for a scoreless draw. They came for a draw. Yeah. But they, they were, I suppose, they were the away side. They were a much lower ranked side, and they just looked so comfortable in midfield passing the ball around. And uh, and even when we had the ball, we didn't seem to 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 bully them at all. I suppose. Look, I think nil nil probably would have been a fairer result, and probably if you play the match back again. It's probably what would have happened, but even is that nil nil at home to Luxembourg is it's uh it's still not a yeah, a good I know, result, even you know? even even though we're here Chris well, criticizing the team like and saying how bad we played, I still don't think we deserved to lose. I still think we had enough chances and we do, we've done enough to win against such a, a low opposition, a low ranked opposition. That's that's where I'm coming from. Okay. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think that they deserve the win, and I, and I still wouldn't have took a nil all draw. If you had said to me nil all draw before the game, I would have said no. I suppose, David. Maybe what I really meant or wanted to say was, if anybody deserved to win, I, I suppose I don't think Luxembourg did enough to deserve the win or anything like that. But, um, I certainly don't think we deserve to win in any way. We probably deserved a, a draw is right. I think you probably agree with that. But I, there's no way we deserve to win the match. It wasn't bad luck or anything like that. I think that we didn't certainly not win it. It wasn't... I mean, I, I go back on cases. I know you're too young for this, lads. But in <laughs> 1995, we played Liechtenstein under Jack Charlton. We drew nil-nil. But it was an absolutely unbelievable game. I think we had something like 36 efforts and goal. And it was just batter them, batter them for 90 minutes. And their keeper had a, the game of his life. And, and somehow it ended nil-nil. I mean, you get games like that. and uh, But this wasn't even a case that we were, that I thought we were better than them, that we did enough. Because we didn't even really, okay, we, we I know we've talked about a few chances, but they're kind of half chances or bits of things. We should have been creating an awful lot more chances against Luxembourg. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably harsh for me to say I think they deserve to win, but I suppose I felt as the game was going on, if any, if anyone was going to win, it, it was more likely to be them. And, okay, the Rodriguez, he got, a, he got a bit of luck that it sat up absolutely perfectly for him. He was lucky like that, but it was some strike and some finish. And just that bit of quality. And maybe another point on it was uh, he's the only player on the pitch that had played Champions League Champions football League, this yeah. season. Now, he'd only got a few minutes for Dinamo Kiev, but still, um, just maybe that, that moment, there was that just that little bit of extra quality. But, I don't know. I think what you, yeah. were, what you were saying there was, you know, the longer the game went on, we didn't look more like scoring that they did, was pretty much what you're trying to say there. And I, I would agree with that, but I think in the overall scheme of things, um, I felt as though with the chances we had, we should have won the game. 
I think the Collins chance and stuff like that, that goes anywhere else. That the first one, that, it's a different uh, game then. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, so, no. Had we scored in the first half, I think it would have been a very different game. I'd certainly accept that. I think I thought we were, uh, we weren't great in the first half, but we were certainly better in the first half than in the second half. And yeah, Collins's chance that that was a great save by the keeper, and uh, that was a great move by us, and uh, that probably deserved a goal, but. Outside of that, there there isn't anything else that strikes to me as saying, okay, we had half chances with Shane Long with Alan Brown, etc. But nothing that really struck me as saying, yeah, we 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 should have had a lot more chances like that. Yeah, I think well, like if you were neutral watching that game, you probably would have said neither team did enough to win. Like everyone's on about Rodriguez and his strike and that bit of Champions League balls. I thought overall in general, I know he had that spectacular effort in the first half. I thought overall in journey he was quite quiet. I thought we marched him quite well. I know he had a shot in the 39th minute from distance, Clark block well, but I thought in particular, Rambo, his brother earlier, Olivier, but uh, Vincent Hill, I thought he was very impressive for Luxembourg last night. From their point of view, I thought he was the one player that kind of made things tick for them, was always kind of their go-to man. I was very impressed with him last night. He's playing out in Portugal, but like, <laughs> like it, it's, you probably would have to say Luxembourg probably did deserve it more because you have to take into consideration like, standard of players and their expectation coming into this. Like we're expected to go not boss this game, we're expected to be okay and, and comfortable and win it. We're like they're happy to kind of come for a draw and stuff like that. But I think overall, like in terms of chances created, it's probably even we probably have slightly more, but can't say either team had an, a brilliant spell of dominance that they stood out that much. I would say Jer that if if one team were looking like they wanted it more, it was them. I think that's yeah. th- that would be correct. I think you could yeah. you can take that into the start of the game and you look at their national anthem and you could see Rodriguez talking to all their players and firing them up. In the if you if you go back and watch it when they're doing this um the national anthems, he's talking to them and he's pointing at them and you can see he's trying to get them up for this game. And I felt as though yes, and and look, ultimately they won the game from that goal. They had uh we had one chance after that in the last minute of the game with Shane Long and he takes a strike. The angle was too much and the keeper makes a comfortable save. The two subs came on, Parrott and Malumbi came on for Collins and Cullen, which again was too late in the game, the 88 minutes to try and affect it, which was too late. The game was over, but it brings me back to this to this thing as well. Now, Gary, you've been watching Ireland a lot longer than all of us. You've seen the good times, you've seen some bad times. But, you know, where does this rank among worst defeats? In yeah, history. I've had this discussion actually with a few people in the last 24 hours. Um, and I, I've been back and forth a bit. For me still, I, I go back to the 5-2 defeat in Cyprus uh, under Steve Staunton. Uh, just because uh, it was Cyprus, they were a poor side. And they actually put five goals past us and we were we were a bit of a shambles that night. Um, so, I th- But I mean... There is an argument for last night being it's certainly if not the worst ever the one of the one of the worst ever i mean and uh i mean that's that's certainly what you're looking at because i mean top three. particularly particularly that it's at home oh definitely in the top three i mean the the other result i mentioned i mentioned the Liechtenstein result um but that was a freak. I know a game that some people bring up because it was an absolutely shocking performance, but we, we actually won the game. It was the 2-1 win in San Marino when Stephen Ireland rescued us in the 94th minute. 
And no, that, that that was actually a shambolic performance as well. But we won that game. So I think you get a pass. When you win a game, uh, you do get a pass on that. And, and the goal got us out of jail. And I even go back. I go back to, I, I wasn't at this game. I remember even listening to the radio because RT didn't show a lot of live football back in those days. Frank Stapleton back heeled a winner against Malta in 1983 when Malta were absolutely shocking. I mean, we beat them 8 0 in Dublin a few months later. But we, Frank Stapleton back heeled the winner in Valletta in the 90th minute as well. So, I mean, again, another shock, shocking performance. But I believe the pitch was absolutely disgraceful that day as well, which is a factor. I mean, we can't blame the conditions last night or anything like that. So, um, it's definitely, for me, it's in the, the top three of all time. I don't know, am I leaving any out, any other disasters? I, I, I kind of leave, I, I don't want to mention games like Spain and Gdansk. I mean, sometimes we do. Yeah, if you go back in history, I mean, we got we got six nil defeats. We were beaten seven nil by Brazil in Uberlandia in '82. But I mean, that was Zico Socrates. That that was the a top Brazilian team that just destroyed us. So, I, I I don't I don't really rate those kind of results or performances in the same way as losing at home to Luxembourg or, or, or conceding five to a team like Cyprus. So they're they for me are kind of the the worst of all time. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you because you would have seen it. I mean, it's definitely in recent times. I say for myself, David and Jared, it's 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 right up there, um, probably with the Cyprus one again. But yeah, it's 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 just tough to take. But see, the thing I take mostly out of this is we we've looked at other nations like Wales, we've looked at Scotland, and we've looked at Northern Ireland, and I think back even to that Carlin Nations Cup when we were beating them and stuff like that, and they were awful. Look teams. at Iceland, Paul. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is is that I was laugh, I was almost laughing at these nations, you know, saying thank God Ireland aren't like that. And I never felt like we were ever going to be like that, relying on championship and League One players. And now we are that. And those teams are better than us. Scotland are better than us. And Wales are better than us now. I don't know about Northern Ireland. Sorry, I thought you were meant like uh, developing the teams in a certain way. Like Iceland, from their, from their grassroots up, have changed everything and, and they're making major tournaments. Like, for, what do we do? Do we, do we ride this wave and come out the other side of it? Well, we are, David. We are changing it from the grassroots. Now, I will yeah. say that. No, I, I mean, agree the, 100%. The jury, the, the jury is still out. I mean, I like the way Stephen Kenny is trying to do things. Yeah. And I mean, the jury has to be still out on whether he's the right man to do it. But I think it's the right way to do it. And I, I will I will take an example of Northern Ireland because when Michael O'Neill got the Northern Ireland job, Luxembourg were in their group. And if I remember correctly, they got one point out of six against Luxembourg. It's, they certainly didn't beat them. It was either one or two. I think it was only one. But the one thing that saved Michael O'Neill in that campaign, and this was the qualifying campaign for the 2014 World Cup, uh, they were in with Portugal and Russia, were the performances. So the results were terrible. They, they had a really bad... But the performances were good and there were green shoots and you could see. And I, I picked Michael O'Neill because he came from the League of Ireland League as well, the same way that Stephen has come from. And that that can be a problem. And if, and if you look at it in Northern Ireland, I know he was a former player for Northern Ireland, but he was managing Shamrock Rovers. He was managing an order league. And uh, it, it was a, a brave move by the IFA and, and it was a brave move to keep him. But he had actually won the fans over in that campaign. 
and even though they were losing games, Portugal, I think, only beat them at the end of the end of a game. I, I'm trying to remember back now; it's about seven, eight years ago. So, they, but it it is a case that they, they they built on from that, and the next campaign was the qualifying campaign for Euro 2016, and they went on and won the group. They yeah. they started off with a fantastic win in Hungary, and suddenly everything one good result, one good win, it all changed, and uh, suddenly they were getting good away wins. They were phenomenal team and they went to France and had a great tournament as well, got to the last 16 and were unlucky to lose out with an own goal so th- there is hope um, but I, I think the comparison with, with Michael O'Neill I think we would need to see performances for the rest of this campaign to, maybe not results I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult I mean, we're not going to qualify, we're not even going to get top two now, I think Portugal and Serbia will be well over the horizon but even if we can come back in September, I'd still like to use the friendlies as experiment. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't know if Stephen will be able to do that now. He may be under pressure to get results. But to come back in September and have decent performances in the qualifiers, even if we don't get necessarily decent results, but at least good quality performances to show that there is hope there for the future. And hopefully, the the defeat last night would be a wake up call, in a sense, because then. Michael O'Neill, after the defeat to Luxembourg, as far as I can remember, I think he lost one of his games. And after that game, then it was kind of a wake-up call for Northern Ireland. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, um, I think I think they lost yeah. 3-2. I'm trying to remember if it was a 3-all or 3-2. I think they could have lost. But that was their yeah. wake-up call. And, and I'm hoping it, yeah. this this is a wake-up call. But how, like, on about performance, like playing, getting a good performance, how hard is it going to be to lift the, the team now, the dressing room, get the morale back up after last night? Like, it's... I know we're not yeah. back till it, September. It's a long time yeah. away. So well, we have the game against Qatar. Let's not forget. It's that. Tuesday night. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. Just it would be very like hard on, to lift for that. Yeah. Go on, Jer. Just a, just that point, like on Northern Ireland. I think strangely as well, Gary. I think Azerbaijan were in that group as well, and I think they only took one point from six off them as well. But as you you touched on the performances against Russia and Portugal, it wasn't just performances. They got a draw away against Portugal, and they bet Russia Windsor Park. So there was kind of momentum there for them to kind of kick on. So. I'm not saying we're going to maybe repeat the dose and get a draw on Lisbon and, and win the return game against Serbia, but they're definitely, as you said, like you could see why the fans had kind of bought into Michael O'Neill. And so far, early door, so far, Stephen Kenny hasn't got that. Well, I've bought into Stephen Kenny. Well, yeah, I probably, I, I probably I, phrased that wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Like, as in, I, know, I think. Well, some people are on the fence. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of fans have bought into Stephen Kenny, all right. But it's well, well I suppose even before he got the job, there was a lot of fans who were dead set against it. So, um, and and that's that is part of the problem, I suppose. But it, it's very hard to defend him after performances like last night and and results like last night. That's that's exactly it. I was going to say, look, we we could sit here and say we want Kenny to do well all we want, but ultimately it's results that that affect it. Like we could sit here and be like, Stephen Kenny is the best manager in the world, but if he's not getting results, then we have to question his, I suppose, in-game management. And at the same time, is with with what he has, right? We've mentioned all the players. I mean, I have I have team sheets here for last night, right? So just quickly run through. I mean, Bazulu playing regularly. Seamus Coleman not playing regularly. Ender Stevens playing regularly. Kieran Clark I would say probably playing regularly. Jason Doyle playing regularly. Matt Darty isn't. Alan Brown is. James Collins isn't. Callum Robinson isn't. Josh Cullen is. Darrow Shea is. 
Mark Travis isn't, Kieran O'Hara isn't, Shane Duffy isn't, Robbie Brady isn't, James McLean isn't, Jeff Hendricks kind of in and out. Darren Horgan isn't, Jason Malumby isn't, Shane Long in and out. Troy Paris is playing, uh, yeah, uh, Darren Lennon, captain of Blackburn, and Cyrus Christie is playing with Nottingham Forest. That was our squad last night, our match day squad. So, at the same time as we can criticise Stephen Kelly all we want, the evidence is on paper there that not a lot of these players, um, I'd say just over 50% of them, are not playing at club level. What's what's the alternative? Like, Do we bring in players that are eligible to play for and that are playing regularly? Like that, That's the question, isn't it, really? I mean, as well as that, but, we have players like John Egan and stuff like that still to come back in, but he doesn't score goals. I, I appreciate that. Um Aaron Connolly gets injured nearly all the time now. I mean, I've never yeah. seen Aaron Connolly put in a run 10 games, which we all want him to do, by the way. It's not a case of uh, saying that he will or he won't. We would love to see him, you know, scoring regularly in the Premier League, getting uh, game time all the time, and then coming in and start getting a couple of international goals. And everybody would be happy then, you know what I mean? But it just doesn't seem to be the case. Adam Edis still has to come back in again. He's not playing regularly at Norwich. Right. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that, that area of the pitch is, is, is where we really need somebody. I mean, Northern Ireland had David Ely for so long and he was crap at club level, but he was unbelievable at international level. And even if we had someone who could do that, who could just turn up for Ireland when yeah. we needed him to. Um, but we just don't really seem to. And look, as much as I'm getting frustrated with Stephen Kenny, when you actually take a step back and look at what he has to deal with, you kind of go... Do you know what? I think even if Pep Guardiola was dealing with these players, he probably wouldn't get the same tune as him either. I was just going to say that if you put a world-class manager in charge, would have made a difference? I don't think so. Because at the end of the day, he picks a team, he asks them to do a job, but at the end of the day, it's the player. The onus is on the player. and I, I, don't, think, I don't think so, no. I don't think anyone could do anyone could do it. So I think just, just to finish on, I think like the question, the people, people would be questioned, does Kenny go? Does Kenny go? And then you're left with, if he does go, who do you bring in? Because as we just mentioned there, I mean, even if you had, I mean, who's available as well? You know what I mean? Even if you brought in someone else, you're, 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 you're brought in this guy with an identity and he's working with the under-15s up, bringing in a style of play into the international system. And it's proven worthwhile with the under-21s. And look how many of them he's brought through. And brought into the international setup, and they're playing regularly. Well, not playing regularly as much, but they're probably playing more regularly than senior players at their clubs. Um, my my opinion would be, I'm all for Stephen Kenny. I, I like his style of play. I like his philosophy behind it. I think we should ride the wave, and see the rest of the campaign. And come September, when the next game comes round, hopefully, I know the season's only more that starting in the Premier League around August anyway. And the championship and all that. So hopefully lads have been playing. Get a good preseason. It starts back the fourteenth of August, so I think they'd be a month yeah. playing, yeah. So yeah. hopefully lads are back in the team and get a good preseason, injury free, and, and, and hopefully touch wood, he has a good group of lads to select from them that are match fit and are playing say a month previous before the camp. And things might be a lot different. So I think my opinion should Leave him be. Let's ride the wave and let's see where we come out on the other side. I agree, Cut. David. Now, there's a couple of things though as well that should. He has been he has been badly damaged by these ten games now. Um, yeah. But I, I think he should be given the time. I think the we're going to have two friendlies in June, or late May, early June. 
um, I think the reports seem to be saying is one of them is against Hungary or Scotland and the other is against one of the minnows in Malta or in Andorra. That training camp will give them a good time away with the players. So th- that will help, I'm sure. And uh, I hope he does get the rest of the campaign because I think he deserves that. But the big problem is that unless the performances improve and unless we're significantly better than we were last night, and I'm not even saying the results, but I definitely mean the performances, that the question mark has, does he get the next campaign? And Because his contract is up at the end of this year, assuming we're not going to have a playoff in March next year. So I, I, I believe his contract ends at the end of this World Cup qualifying campaign. And unless things are significantly better, I hope he does get to November, but unless things are significantly better in November, I think it's going to be a very, very tough decision or it's going to be very difficult to argue for him to get the, the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign because that is a time when these young players we're talking about will be more developed. Hopefully, like Jason Malumbi will be playing regularly in the Premier League. Jason Knight will probably be playing in the Premier League. Daryl O'Shea will become, I imagine, a, a seasoned Premier League player at that point. Josh Cullen will be playing in one of the top leagues. Even Andrelek's already a big club. So, we will have a lot of those younger players. Aaron Connolly hopefully getting a lot more game time. But Euro 2024 is one for me that we really should be qualifying for. And particularly as it's in a country like Germany, it be an amazing tournament for the fans as well. So, I think that's the big decision. I, I hope he does get. I mean, there are people saying he should be gone in the morning or gone after the Qatar game. But I don't. I don't agree with that. But uh, I think the the big decision. I, I hope he does get until uh, well into the autumn. But it's uh, the performances have to be a lot better for me. Yeah, Jerry, have you anything to add there just before we finish up with that? Yeah, I kind of would have agree with the lads. Um, I can understand like the people that would have been. Like against Stephen Kenny, I wouldn't have been fond of him before he even took over. Like I get for once now, people like ourselves who are fond of him you can't defend last night's result. But I agree with David. So you just have to ride this wave. Like Gary said, look at the experiment with Michael Neal. Forget the Nations League. That's only a Mickey Mouse thing. This is his first real proper campaign. So like, you know, Mick McCarthy, like Brian Kerr, Trapper Tony, everyone always seems to get two. I know like, the results are different, but everyone always seems to get two campaigns. Like he's entitled to a second chance, but I think just the kind of problem is we did bank on six points in these games against the Minnows. Hasn't quite happened, but hopefully there will be signs of progression um, in the latter stages of the campaign. That that training camp and finally actually having proper time to work with players, not just having them coming off playing a game on a Sunday, then having to fly out to Sofia or Bratislava and only basically having two days to work them before a game. Proper time. And again, as, as you were kind of saying, like, like it's there's more factors than just saying get rid of Stephen Kenny and bring in a new manager. Like chances are we're probably going to get a manager that look at that squad of players and say eh, average championship players, right? Hoofball, long ball. Fans made that clear. We didn't want that after Trapattoni, O'Neill, and even Mick McCarthy. So that's not going to solve anything. As we've touched on, and Gary's probably more qualified to say this than the rest of us. It probably is the weakest crop of players we've ever had. And again, I don't want to go open up too many cans of worms. But it's probably a lack of proper organisation from the FEI for years has now caught up. And Stephen Kenny is probably just the wrong man, the wrong job at the time. So I think stand by him. I think stick with him. And it's just unfortunate 10 games in and he's still looking for that bounce yet. But fingers crossed it will come later on this year. Yeah, well, I don't think you could say that players haven't taken to to what he's doing. Like I think a lot of players have bought into it and tried to play 
the way they have. Even, you know, Bazu knew the way he spoke. And he, like the first thing he said was how he believes in everything Steven's uh, doing. And, you know, he worked with him at under 21 level and stuff like that. I think you know, a lot of players are buying in. Whether the older players, the likes of Duffy and that, are buying into it, which it seems as though he is because behind the scenes, Steven said he's been brilliant and he's been helping players like Darrow O'Shea and stuff like that and taking a real kind of leader's role within the camp. But the fact that he's not, you know, in there and stuff like that, ourself and maybe Hendrick, maybe taking that a little bit personally, I don't know, but they're still not playing at the same time, so they're not really affecting the games. But the players that have been kind of brought in, I just think this, the, the build-up play is a little bit slow. I'm still waiting for Mark Doherty that wears the Wolves jersey to turn up to play for Ireland because I haven't seen that once. Um, maybe that'll change the next round of games because I'd say he's probably injured. Um, but yeah, I suppose we'll leave it on that note. We've we've covered pretty much everything. I'd say it's taken us an hour and 15 minutes or something like that to to do so so uh let us know your thoughts in the comments guys uh, anyone watching don't forget to like the video if you want to follow on the lads you can follow them on social media uh huge thanks for jumping on lads david jared gary um yeah let us know your thoughts in the comments don't forget to like the video and don't forget to subscribe we'll speak to you all soon uh take care the iff tv podcast presented by paul nealon like rate and subscribe <laughs>